to obey God over government. That is a topic we'll discuss today right here on the Christian Worldview radio program, where the mission is to sharpen the biblical worldview of Christians and to share the good news that all people can be reconciled to God through faith in Jesus Christ. I'm David Wheaton, the host, and our website is thechristianworldview.org. Well, thank you for joining us today on the program as we discuss when to obey God over government. Now, for nearly six months, churches around the country have either been closed entirely or partially closed due to government shutdown orders to stop the spread of COVID-19. Meanwhile, other businesses deemed, quote, essential have been open, such as retail stores, even liquor stores, and abortion clinics are even open. In California, Governor Gavin Newsom has mandated strict parameters on indoor church services with regard to physical distancing distancing, and even singing, which would cause a large church like Grace Community Church in Los Angeles with over 5,000 members and attenders each week to only be able to serve a fraction of their congregants. Now, John MacArthur is the well-known pastor of Grace Community Church. He's been there for 50 years. He and their 50 elders made national news recently with their decision to hold indoor worship services despite the California governmental orders. And so this weekend on The Christian Worldview, Phil Johnson, who's an elder at Grace Community Church and the host of the Grace to You radio broadcast, joins us to explain how to apply the biblical command to obey governing authorities from Romans 13 and 1 Peter 2 with another biblical command for Christians in Hebrews 10 to not forsake the assembling together of ourselves, of believers. Basically, when to obey God over government. Let's get to the first segment of that interview. Phil, thank you for taking the time to come on The Christian Worldview today. Let's go back several months, back to early March, when the Shepherds Conference was taking place at Grace Community Church. And on Sunday, March 8th, I was there for the Sunday service. By the time I came home that day, back to Minnesota, and then next week, the next Sunday, everything had been closed down, including Grace Church. So take us just behind the scenes briefly of what has been going on with the elders and the discussions taking place uh, over the last, I guess it's nearly six months now, uh, since the COVID shutdown right after the Shepherds Conference. Yeah, and this was my experience in March, uh, just before the Shepherds Conference, I believe it was. They had the uh, National Religious Broadcasters Convention in Nashville, and I was at that. Uh, and of course, that draws thousands of people from all over the world. And as I recall, there was already quite a bit of discussion about the dangers of the coronavirus. It was spreading in places. And, um, you know, it was one of those things you a little bit concerned about when you're in a massive crowd like that with people from hundreds of countries around the world. I flew from here to Nashville, was there for that convention, flew back. Then we had the Shepherds Conference. Again, thousands of guys from, you know, dozens of countries around the world. We were thinking about it. We were cautious about it. You may remember that uh, during the Shepherds Conference, there was hand cleanser everywhere. People weren't wearing masks yet, but uh, a lot of the pastors were cautious about handshakes and hugs and that kind of thing. But it didn't really put a dent in the Shepherds Conference. It seemed like everything went on as usual. 
the week after Shepherd's Conference, I had a speaking engagement on the East Coast, flew there and back. So again, like four flights across the country uh, when the virus was at its peak, and all of that was in my mind. But as soon as I got back from the East Coast, uh, shortly after Shepherd's Conference, then everything went into lockdown. Mm-hmm. And of course, at first it was, you remember the slogan, 15 days to flatten the curve. And the idea was if we can flatten the curve, meaning slow down the rate of infection so that we don't see uh, hospital and, and emergency rooms overwhelmed, then we'll be able to deal with this virus. So the idea was just flatten the curve. Well, the curve was flattened, but the quarantine never ended. And it went on for weeks. And um, everybody at Grace Church is missing the services, missing our fellowship. Uh, things just didn't seem right. Uh, so by mid-June or so, we were we were beginning to just sort of let people come back without making a big announcement about it, without uh, announcing that we're uh, we're not going to enforce all the social distancing rules or whatever. People just began to filter back to Grace Church so that by mid-July, uh, every Sunday, there were hundreds of people in the uh, auditorium. And then the governor you know, said, it's okay, we can reopen a little, and California started to open just slightly, and it seemed it was barely open, and church was barely beginning to resume, and the governor cracked down again and said, no, we're going to put the whole state back under lockdown indefinitely. Mm-hmm. So there's no end point. There's no measurable goal. There's no, there's just no way to see light at the end of the quarantine tunnel. And then they announced that the Rose Parade January 1st is canceled this year. Uh, so they're looking that far ahead and intending to keep the quarantine in place until then. And our elders got together and said, we just cannot consent to that. Uh, our people need fellowship. Our, our our church needs to live its life. And uh, so we're at the point where we are today, where we're just having normal Sunday services. It's not really normal because because of the circumstances. We've got a big tent in the parking lot. So if people want to socially distance, if they want to wear masks or whatever, everybody's free to do that uh, according to whatever your conscience allows. But the uh, the worship center has been packed standing room only for several weeks now. John MacArthur's preaching. We have the music. Everything is as normal. And I think the state officials aren't particularly happy about that. They aren't. We'll get into that today in the program. Phil Johnson with us today on The Christian Worldview. He's an elder at Grace Community Church in Los Angeles, where John MacArthur pastors. He's also the executive director and host of the Grace to You radio broadcast. Uh, Just recently, in the last, I'd say, about two weeks, the elders of Grace Community Church came out with a statement on the fact that they're going to be reopening, and officially reopening, I should say, And the title of that statement was, Christ, not Caesar, is head of the church. I just want to read the first paragraph of that. It says, Christ is Lord of all. He is the one true head of the church. He is also King of kings, sovereign over every authority. Grace Community Church has always stood immovably on those biblical principles. As his people, we are subject to his will and commands as revealed in Scripture. Therefore, we cannot and will not acquiesce to a government-imposed moratorium on our weekly congregational worship or other regular corporate gatherings. Compliance would be disobedience 
to our Lord's clear commands. And then, Phil, you followed this up over the summer with various blog posts on your blog, teampyro.blogspot.com, where you said the elders of Grace Church decided to follow the recommended procedures set forth in the original government order, not because we believe the state has a right to tell churches when, whether, and how to worship. To be clear, we believe that the original orders were just as much as an illegitimate intrusion of state authority into ecclesiastical matters as we believe it is now. However, because we could not possibly have known the true severity of the virus, as you were just explaining, and because we care about people as our Lord did, we believe guarding public health against serious contagions is a rightful function of Christians as well as civil government. The question is, it, it seemed to me that a few months after the lockdown that Pastor MacArthur had mentioned something that we want to comply with government and so forth. What went into the, the major change to all of us and saying, no, no further now, this is the end, this is, this is unreasonable, This is against what we are convicted by Scripture to do. Government has exceeded their even their constitutional authority. What went into that decision? Because it went from being, yeah, well, people can come back on their own, to now it's, we're we're having church. Yeah, and I I think it was not one thing, but a series of things. We have 50 elders, so they didn't all come to this conclusion all at once. It, It, various ones of us began to ask questions and rethink the issues uh, over different things. And for me, it was when the governor reinstituted the, the quarantine and basically said, it's, it's, this is indefinite. Uh, we will decide when the state gets to open up. We will decide when churches get to meet again. And um, I had said from the beginning, when, when we started the quarantine, Look, I'm I'm okay with 15 days to flatten the curve. You do the math on that, and at most we might miss three Sundays. And then it was extended because they felt the curve wasn't flattened enough, and then it dragged out to three months. And I began to think, you know, at some point, if this just becomes a never-ending quarantine, we come face-to-face with Hebrews 10.25, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Mm-hmm. That's a command. And and. I have to weigh the weight of that command against the command in Romans 13, which says, be subject to the powers that be, which one applies in these circumstances. And I think for me, it was when the governor basically said, this is indefinite, we'll let you know someday that you might be able to meet again. And and also it threatens to become a, a just a perpetual thing where they're going to require if you go to church or gather in any kind of gathering like that, especially if you're singing, you have to wear masks. Uh, and the thought of the people of God meeting together all masked up, uh, it's just an odious thought to me, especially when you have what really seems to amount to a, a tyrant making arbitrary and whimsical rules about this for which there is no clear science. And it it's a disputed issue. And so it's not Romans 13, but Romans 14 that applies to disputed issues, debatable things. What do you do there? Well, every person has to obey his own conscience. So that's ultimately what we decided to do at Grace Church. We're not forcing on anyone any new rules. If they want to wear a mask and socially distance, there are plenty of opportunities for them to do that and still participate in our worship services. Uh, we have places all over the campus where 
they can sit and have fellowship with other people and and see and hear the sermon and still maintain social distance. But the fact is the vast majority of our people just want to be in the service with their fellow believers and sing and praise the Lord and be taught from God's Word the way we always have. It's, this is not the first time we've been exposed to viruses. Right. Uh, I've been exposed to viruses all my life, and it's true that the church is a place, and always has been, where viruses, colds, the flu get spread. But that's never stopped us from coming to church and praising the Lord before. What we're seeing is a just a a, a vast overreaction to what seemed like a great threat at the beginning. You remember at the beginning, uh, you, you had images of uh, you know bodies stacked in the street like cordwood, just from the projections of how many people were going to die in this thing. The truth is, it, it has not lived up to those dire predictions. Uh, and it's bad. If you're an elderly person, particularly, and you get this virus, it is a virus that, particularly for people over 80, difficult for people to survive, uh, and it can leave lasting effects. But are we going to start shutting down church every time there's a, a threat of a disease or the flu? I, that's, that's a great concern of ours. I don't want to see it become a pattern that every flu season we shut down church for four months mm. or however long. Phil Johnson is our guest today here on The Christian Worldview, talking about when to obey God over government. Lots of things for you to read in a preview for today on thechristianworldview.org. Coming back right after this. The Bible says that children should be raised in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. There's nothing more important than sitting, walking, talking, and teaching your son or daughter to love and fear God. The church is swimming in children's resources, but it's ultra important to select ones that accurately represent God, His Word, and the Gospel. At our store on thechristianworldview.org, we are intentional about offering resources that will build a sound and strong faith in children. You will find several Bibles for children, the Adam Raccoon book series, and Good News for Little Hearts series. We also have video and audio resources like Theo and Sugar Creek Gang. Browse them all at thechristianworldview.org and then use them daily with the child God has put in your life. That's thechristianworldview.org. The Christian Worldview radio program airs live Saturday mornings at 8 a.m. Central Time. But did you know you can also listen according to your own schedule? One simple way to hear past programs is at our website, thechristianworldview.org. You'll also find short takes there, which are bite-sized highlights of each program. Beyond our website, you can search for The Christian Worldview in the podcast app on your smartphone and subscribe for free. The program is also available at oneplace.com, sermonaudio.com, iTunes, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. If you need help navigating the online podcast realm, just give us a call, toll-free, 1-888-646-2233, or follow the links on the homepage of thechristianworldview.org. Because when believers have a sharper biblical worldview and non-believers come to saving faith, lives and families are changed for the glory of God. Thank you for listening. 
back on the Christian Worldview radio program. Just a reminder that our annual golf event, there will be no dinner portion of the event this year, but our golf event is going to be taking place on Monday, September 21st here in the Twin Cities. You can find out more about that. We'd love to have you come if you're a golfer. Maybe you know some golfers who enjoy being a part of this. Um, it's really a fundraiser uh, for the Christian Worldview and a time of fellowship as well. Go to thechristianworldview.org to find out more. Our topic today is when to obey God over government. And Phil Johnson, an elder at Grace Community Church in Los Angeles, where John MacArthur pastors, they've been in the news nationally on, on the decision to reopen. So let's get back to the second segment of that interview. One of the pushbacks that I've heard him receive, uh, whether in the news stations or just from other Christians writing about the reopening of Grace, because this has made national news that Grace has reopened uh, against the, the mandates, the orders of California Governor Gavin Newsom. And still don't know how that's going to kind of shake out. I know there have been threats of fines and, and arrests and so forth. We'll get into that in a little bit. How do you respond to the uh, the notion of, of Christians out there who will say, well, what's the point of this? If, if you're risking people's health, we can do church online nowadays. People can just watch church from home. And the question is, is, is watching church from your home with your family still church, Phil? No, no, it isn't. And in fact, again, back to Hebrews 10.25, it talks about the gathering of yourselves together for the purpose of mutual encouragement and and praise and worship, uh, you know, congregational worship has been uh, essential to the people of God all the way back into the Old Testament. And um, uh, to give that up and have everybody meet separately, or not meet, but stay separately in their in their homes and watch a sermon online, that's not a substitute for the church. It might have worked for, as a temporary substitute during a a normal quarantine, but when the government is talking about keeping the, sh- the church shut down for the better part of a year, it seems to me uh, the, the natural thing for a Christian who really loves the Lord and understands the necessity of our fellowship and, and the role that the church is designed to have, I don't see how any Christian can sit by passively and say, well, it's okay, we can live with this. The other pushback we get, David, is from people who say, well, fine, meet, but just obey all of the restrictions that have put in place. I'm I'm writing a blog post right now that should be on my blog pretty soon, answering pretty extensively why that's a problem for us, why you can't do that. We've got this massive tent in the middle of our parking lot, and people look at that and say, well, you guys could just meet out there. The truth is, if you set up the chairs so that everything is properly socially distanced, so that nobody is closer than six feet from anyone else or anyone outside their family, you could at most fit 400 to 450 people in there. That's that's not even a tenth of our congregation. So we can't do that. It changes the way we do church. And when the governor is saying, no, you shouldn't even sing and everybody should be masked, he's, he's changing the way we worship. He's changing the worship service in a way that it really isn't Caesar's role to dictate. It isn't the governor of California's right to uh, restrict us from our worship or tell us how we ought to worship. That is built into the very first sentence of the Bill of Rights. Again, Phil Johnson with us today on the Christian Realview uh, an elder at Grace Community Church, also the executive director and host of Grace to You. I want to read one more thing from your 
recent blog post, Phil, you said, speaking for myself alone, I'll acknowledge that, yes, my thinking on the question of the COVID-19 quarantine in Romans 13 has changed somewhat, or at least been refined, illuminated, qualified, and enriched. I've been forced by circumstances to rethink and amplify my answers carefully because of the government's relentless attempts to keep churches closed, despite the fact that months have passed without the apocalyptic quotas of death and disease that were originally predicted. I know that you and and John MacArthur have always taken a position of respect for Romans 13. You have been very, I think, uh, conservative on that, that particular position. So tell us how your understanding or interpretation of Romans 13 has changed throughout this process. And maybe part two of that question is, I don't remember exactly what what Pastor Mark Arthur said many years ago, but when asked about the Revolutionary War, was that then, you know, the wrong thing to do at the time to rebel against the, the British government and so forth, and pastors were divided at that issue in that particular time? Maybe you could kind of compare and contrast that particular time and how that relates, if it is even comparable to to what's taking place now in the church. Yeah, it's a good analogy, actually. And uh, But let me say first, it's not that my interpretation of Romans 13 has changed, and I still take a, a very conservative view towards that. I don't think Christians should be known for boycotts and protests and public demonstrations and things like that. And I think what Paul is saying in Romans 13, what Peter says in First Peter 2, is basically, look, that we need to strive to be good citizens and not to be known as people who are defiant of authority. And in general, that's the case. What's changed in my thinking here is how and whether Romans 13 outweighs Hebrews 10.25 in a situation like we face right now. So the elder statement actually goes into great detail about what I would say are the refinements in my understanding of of all of this by saying this, essentially, there are different realms of authority that have been established by God. You have the family, you have the government, and you have the church. And Caesar is head of the government. When I say Caesar, sometimes people say, well, there hasn't been a Caesar forever. I'm talking about the United States with the Constitution, but it doesn't end there. The Constitution establishes various realms of authority inside the government so that um, lawmakers and all the way down to policemen who enforce the law are in that chain of command that Scripture commands us to be obedient to. But their realm of authority is legitimate governmental issues. The church is a whole different realm, and Christ is the head of the church. He's actually lord over even the government. So Christ's authority actually surpasses any civic ruler's authority. And you see that play out in Scripture in Acts chapter 4, where the apostles say, look, we, we ultimately we have to obey God rather than men. Mm-hmm. When the commandments of men contradict the commandments of God, we have to obey God because he is Lord over even the secular realm. So how does that apply in these circumstances? That's where my thinking has changed. And when I see the the governor making rules like you shouldn't sing in church, don't sing, you can't sing, you can't stand next to each other, you you have to socially distance, meaning you can't even greet one another with a holy kiss or even a holy handshake because you got to be six feet apart. Now, all of a sudden, the government's commands 
impinge on how and where and even whether we should worship and become a contradiction to some of the clear commands we have in Scripture. And in that case, we have to obey God rather than man. And so uh, what's changed in my thinking is the question of whether whether Romans 13 is what applies in this these circumstances or Acts 4, we, we have to obey God rather than men. Mm-hmm. Well, Go with ahead. the Revolutionary War analogy, or maybe it's not comparable, what do you think about that then? It's comparable in this sense. Both of those are complex questions, and I get that. I think the question of the church's responsibility in in the uh, quarantine is complex enough that we've said even in our in the elder statement that really the decision on how far to go with the quarantine and and how we worship and all that those are decisions that belong to the realm of the church and not the realm of the secular government. We're not saying every church needs to do exactly as we have done. What we're saying is the elders of the church are responsible to make those decisions, not the governor of the state. So that's been our argument. And realizing that different different churches, different geographical regions, different circumstances may require a different response than we've taken. But here in California, where, where the rules are extremely draconian and the, the governor's uh, behavior has been, I think it's fair to say, tyrannical, We've taken the the route we've taken without trying to impose that on the conscience of other elders in other churches. Mm -hmm. The Revolutionary War was similarly complex. I I think a lot depended on whether you supported the revolution or not in those days where you lived. Massachusetts, for example, was a colony that had been established by a charter from the king that gave them a certain amount of autonomy and guaranteed that autonomy. And so when a generation or two later, the king began to tax them and send representatives of his army there. They saw that, I think rightfully so, as a foreign invasion. And a lot of Christians during the revolution justified their involvement in the revolution that way. It's a totally different era, but there's, there is some relation in the question is because it was a Romans 13 issue uh, back then as well for, for Christians to consider. And I have a feeling we're going to have to make a lot more of these uh, with the direction our country's coming as to when we obey God over obeying men. Phil Johnson with us today here on the Christian Realview. Gavin Ortland, who is another pastor in California, uh, he wrote, It seems to me that the current situation is more complicated than John MacArthur's perspective allows. To my mind, there are at least four biblical values that should inform our decision-making in this situation. And he goes, The importance of worship, love for neighbor, obedience to government, maintaining a good witness. And he says, What concerns me about defying the state order right now is that it seems to prioritize, one, the importance of worship— at the expense of numbers two, three, and four, love for neighbor, obedience to government, and maintaining a good witness. This particular charge has been brought up often. You know, if Christians really want to love our neighbor, the best way to love our neighbor is to not gather together and to get each other sick, so when we interact with them, we get them sick. How do you respond to that particular uh, criticism uh, coming mainly from, I think, the Christian community to say, let's not get together because we want to love our neighbor better? That will be answered by Phil Johnson right after this second break of the day here on the Christian Realview Radio Program. That's an important one. You're hearing it all the time. Gotta love our neighbor, so therefore let's not go back to church. More coming up on the Christian Realview right after this. If you like golf, 
you'll love playing in the Christian Worldview Golf Event at Historic Woodhill Country Club in Wyzetta, Minnesota on Monday, September 21st. Golf registration includes lunch, range, and 18 holes with cart on one of the best courses in the state. Bring your own foursome or we can fit you into a group. Hole sponsorships are also available. Shotgun start is 12.30 p.m. There won't be an evening dinner event this year due to indoor group restrictions, but golfers will enjoy the rare opportunity to play at Woodhill with its immaculate condition, challenging greens, and beautiful setting, all in support of the Christian Worldview Radio Ministry. We hope to see you on Monday, September 21st. Registration deadline is Tuesday, September 8th. To register, visit thechristianworldview.org. That's thechristianworldview.org. Be sure to take advantage of two free resources that will keep you informed and sharpen your worldview. The first is the Christian Worldview Weekly Email, which comes to your inbox each Friday. It contains a preview of the upcoming radio program, along with need-to-read articles, featured resources, special events, and audio of the previous program. The second is the Christian Worldview Annual Print Letter, which is delivered to your mailbox in November. It contains a year-end letter from host David Wheaton and a listing of our store items, including DVDs, books, children's materials, and more. You can sign up for the weekly email and annual print letter by visiting thechristianworldview.org or calling 1-888-646-2233. Your email and mailing address will never be shared, and you can unsubscribe at any time. Call 1-888-646-2233 or visit thechristianworldview.org. To think biblically and live accordingly. That is the aim of the Christian worldview as we discuss these topics which we Christians encounter all the time in our society. And that's really important on this particular one, when to obey God over government. We do want to think biblically and then apply it out, live accordingly. And so uh, Phil Johnson is our guest today here on the Christian worldview. He's the elder at Grace Community Church for Pastor John MacArthur is the senior pastor for the last 50 years. They have 50 elders there, actually. have been to the church several times. Of course, the Shepherds Conference is held there each spring where men from all over the world, up to, I think, four or 5,000 men come uh, to that particular So I was there this year right before it closed down. So it was sort of an interesting and unique time uh, when everything was changing in the country. And so we're, we're discussing the fact that uh, all over the country there's been these mandates by governmental authorities to to uh, shut down churches and then partial reopenings, phased reopenings, what you can do, you have to stay this far apart, you can only have 25% capacity, you can't sing, you can't have people sing in front, you have to wear a mask. And eventually, Grace Community Church and its elders decided, you know, no no further here, this is unreasonable, Um, the the, the government does not have direct authority over how a church service is to be conducted and so forth, and they were happy to comply at the beginning because the virus extent of it wasn't really known. But now there's an indefinite shutdown period. Uh, as Phil Johnson mentioned, they can't cancel the, uh, I think it was the, the Rose Bowl parade or whenever that takes place in California, early January. So um, they, they, they looked at the two commands of Scripture from you know Hebrews 10, to forsake not the assembling of yourselves together versus the commands in Romans 13 to honor and obey governmental authorities. 
and uh, decisions need to be made. And they came down on the decision of obeying God over government in this particular instance. Now, we have some articles, some columns on the ChristianRealView.org right now that we really encourage you uh, to read regarding this. There, there is that statement there from the Grace Community Church elders that is very, very good and specific that I would highly encourage you to read. The title is Christ, Not Caesar, is Head of the Church. And then also Phil Johnson, our guest today, has his own blog, uh, and we have that link there as well, too, questions about the Grace Community Church uh, elders' statement. Then we have a counterpoint um, column as well by the Nine Marks Ministry. Uh, you can you can read that as well. But those would be really sharpen your biblical worldview on this particular issue as uh, you think about this, because I can see more of it's going to be coming. In our increasingly secular America, this is the way things are going to go. Okay, let's get back to uh, Phil Johnson as he was going to answer a question about loving neighbor. This particular charge has been brought up often. You know, if Christians really want to love our neighbor, the best way to love our neighbor is to not gather together and to get each other sick so when we interact with them, we get them sick. How do you respond to that particular uh, criticism uh, coming mainly from, I think, the Christian community to say, let's not get together because we want to love our neighbor better? The short answer is this. I think it's a very short-sighted definition of what it means to love your neighbor, to say, well, you, you can only show your neighbor love by suspending your public worship services. I think neglects what has been one of the most uh, damaging and hurtful effects of this long quarantine, and that is there are lots of people who have been sick or died, not from the virus, but from other causes, who've died in seclusion in nursing homes and hospitals Mm -hmm. because their families weren't even permitted to visit them while they were dying. And when they died, you couldn't have a funeral because you couldn't have a public gathering. And there there are thousands of stories like that across the country from people who have been hurt more by the quarantine than they than they have by the the virus and what about love for them as well what about love for people whose fears have been stoked by the media and the government and the answer to those fears is the preaching of the gospel and that's the church's job and and yet the church is being kept from being the church by draconian governmental decrees Love for my neighbor takes all of those things into account. The fact is, we've been meeting at Grace Church now for more than eight weeks. There hasn't been a single outbreak of the virus. You were there at the Shepherds Conference. There was one man who was at the Shepherds Conference who died from COVID-19. He was an elderly man who apparently, as they've traced it, uh, contracted the virus before he came to the conference. So he had it while he was here. Uh, caught it from others in his family, and then died shortly after, sadly. But he was was here and all over the conference. I hugged him and greeted him. And and, uh, I don't think there's any known case of anyone who caught the virus from him. So we know there were people at the conference who were exposed to the virus, but no outbreak of serious sickness or death as a result. Uh, And then we've met eight weeks at Grace Church, and just none of the dire consequences that we keep hearing are 
are possible. Is it possible that eventually there'll there'll be people at Grace Church who, who get the virus and get sick? Yeah, but that that's been possible with every virus that's ever come along. Mm-hmm. Um, and the COVID nineteen thing, especially if you're if you're younger than than I am, I'm sixty seven. Anybody younger than I am really doesn't face a serious risk of death from this virus. There are people younger who have died from it, but it, it isn't like the sort of uh, Spanish flu epidemic was a hundred years ago. It isn't even in that realm. When you ask, what is the church's responsibility in, in the midst of this? It's the church that should be ministering to people who are living in fear and and troubled about the future and troubled about eternity, and yet the church is forbidden to meet together. Uh, that is that is not a command I can I can submit to. And I'm honoring Christ and truly loving my neighbor. I've said before, uh, anyone who thinks that the second great commandment, love your neighbor as yourself, is completely fulfilled because you're wearing a mask and socially distancing, I, I don't think you really understand the implications of that that commandment. Mm. Phil Johnson with us today on the Christian Real View. Last question for you, Phil. Bringing it up to the present and Grace Community Church's interaction with the governing authorities in, in California, we, we know that the county or the state has, has written threatening letters with threat of fines or arrest if they persist in defiance of the, the government order. Are you free to say whether the county or state is doing anything? I mean, usually government doesn't make orders that they're not prepared to enforce. Is there something like that going on? And if that takes place, is Grace Church prepared to push back, to sue the county or the state if they take action against the church based on the state's or the county's infringement upon the First Amendment freedom of religion? Yes, actually, the church did file a lawsuit against the uh, the governor and and all that uh, late this week. So that will be in the news, uh, and you can read about it. Um, it's our attempt to to sort of get out in front of this before they uh, intervene and you know frog march John MacArthur away in handcuffs or something like that. I don't really think any of that's going to happen. Yes, they've talked about cutting off uh, water and power in general to businesses or organizations that violate the terms of the of the quarantine but as far as i know the government hasn't actually done that there's a smaller church not far from here in ventura county uh where they've they've actually issued restraining orders and made threats that they're going to arrest the pastor and all that but the church met last sunday uh and it was pretty much uneventful there were some demonstrators there with signs scolding the church for having their church services, but and there were representatives of the sheriff's department there to maintain order, but they said they had no intention of citing anyone or arresting anyone for worshiping. I think that's such a bad look for the government to to literally send in armed officers to shut down a church that it's hard for me to imagine that happening. So right now I see it as just threats but to make sure, yes, we are filing a, a lawsuit to keep the government from making those kinds of threats directly against Grace Church. We're going to continue worshiping. Well, I think Grace Church is in very, very good legal and biblical standing for what uh, what decision you all have made, and we applaud you for it. We are encouraged by it, and uh, we wish all of God's best and grace to you, Phil, 
in Grace Community Church. We just thank you for coming on the Christian Realview today. Thank you, David. It's always good to talk to you. Okay, that was Phil Johnson, everyone, elder at Grace Church, Community Church in Los Angeles. By the way, his website where he blogs is Team Pyro, as in pyromaniac, teampyro.blogspot.com. Now, this interview was was done on Thursday, just two days ago. And since then, there's actually been an update to that particular lawsuit. That lawsuit hadn't even been known, really. I didn't even know it was taking place uh, when I asked him that question. It just apparently had just been filed and already uh, there has been some sort of uh, agreement or some sort of decision. Jenna Ellis uh, is the attorney uh, for Grace Community Church. And by the way, she's also President Trump's attorney. And I was just reading on her Twitter page, her main uh, tweet, uh, her pinned tweet, where they put like one featured tweet on her page says, I'm going on record now. This is Jenna Ellis, the one who's representing President Trump, who's also representing Grace Community Church in this particular case. If they try to cancel Christianity, if they try to force me to apologize or recant my faith, I will not bend. I will not waver. I will not break. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand, and I'm proud to be an American. That's the attorney for Grace Community Church. And that's also President Trump's attorney as well. Obviously, there are different cases and so forth that she represents them in different ways, but that, that's pretty strong statement right there on her Twitter page. Anyway, she tweeted yesterday that saying, there's a historic win today for John MacArthur and Grace Community Church. The judge allows indoor services with singing and no attendance cap. Church agrees to adhere to mask and social distancing until full hearing. Okay, that's the tweet. That is the update. I'm not sure what that means, masking and social distancing, but that's all the update we have for now. More after this on The Christian Worldview. The Christian Worldview radio program airs live Saturday mornings at 8 a.m. Central Time. But did you know you can also listen according to your own schedule? One simple way to hear past programs is at our website, thechristianworldview.org. You'll also find short takes there, which are bite-sized highlights of each program. Beyond our website, you can search for The Christian Worldview in the podcast app on your smartphone and subscribe for free. The program is also available at oneplace.com, sermonaudio.com, iTunes, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. If you need help navigating the online podcast realm, just give us a call, toll-free, 1-888-646-2233, or follow the links on the homepage of thechristianworldview.org. Because when believers have a sharper biblical worldview and non-believers come to saving faith, Lives and families are changed for the glory of God. Thank you for listening. There's an abundance of Christian resources available, but the reality is that many of them, even some of the most popular, do not lead to a sound and strong faith. While there's only one perfect book, a key aim of the Christian worldview is to identify and offer resources that are biblically faithful and deepen your walk with God. In our online store, we have a wide range of resources for all ages, adult and children's books and DVDs, Bibles and devotionals, unique gifts, and more. So browse our store at thechristianworldview.org and find enriching resources for yourself, family, friends, small group, or church. You can also order by calling toll-free 1-888-646-2233. That's one 646 
2233 or visit thechristianworldview.org. Final segment of the day here on The Christian Worldview, but much more to get to in this particular segment. If you missed any of the interview with Phil Johnson from Grace to You and Grace Community Church, you can always go to our website, thechristianworldview.org, to hear the replay. You can also sign up for our free weekly email that you get the short takes, the highlights of the program every week. You get all of the information going on within the ministry. Uh, you can go to our resource store online, and you can also support uh, the ministry of the Christian Review. We very much appreciate your support and encouragement. All right, so in the last segment today, just some summary thoughts on this issue of when to obey God over government. You know, the state, the government, Caesar, you could say, always has and always will try to restrict or eliminate Christianity because it offends them, it convicts them, and they don't want it around them. So let's not be shocked at that. This is nothing new. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego back in Scripture. Nebuchadnezzar was trying to make them bow down to an idol. And that, that story is so powerful. Of We must obey God rather than you. Even if we die, we will not bow down to your idol. I read that sometime in Daniel. Daniel himself, he was told not to pray. See, again, they're trying to eliminate. It offends them. It convicts them. So let's get rid of this Daniel they they had an injunction against praying to any other god but Nebuchadnezzar uh, for 30 days, I think it was. And Daniel, of course, chose not to pray, thrown into the lion's den. God miraculously saved him. And then fast forward, many other examples in the Old, Old Testament. Fast forward to the New Testament, Peter and Paul and the apostles. You know, Don't preach in this name of Christ. Uh, we must obey God rather than men was, was their response. Even today in China, North Korea, Islamic countries, and now even within the U.S., um, with restrictions on churches gathering. There's always, there's always, street preachers are always the canaries in the coal mine uh, with, with Christian liberty in a society. You can see, you know, they're always pushed back against them. People don't like the, the public proclamation of the word of God on the sidewalk. And so there's always regulations. And so watch what happens with them. Uh, that's always an important indicator of where our society is. Posts on, say, on social media. Are, are restricted when people say things about their Christian faith. Educating your children, the tr- government tries to get involved and restrict that. Uh, or in your business, if you choose not, if you're a, a Christian owner of a business who makes wedding cakes, you've seen things like that take place, or a photographer, you don't want to service, you don't want to use your your artistic skills to, to service an event that you know from Scripture is inherently sinful and be a part of that. Uh, you are going to be persecuted by government. You need to obey God rather than men. Now, that being said, Christians should do everything uh, to honor and obey civil authorities uh, per Romans 13 and 1 Peter 2. And we should actually pray for them. We should not immediately flip the switch to go in immediate defiant mode at all. Matter of fact, we should try to suggest alternatives uh, to mandates that violate Scripture and our conscience. But ultimately... When God commands something clearly in Scripture to preach the gospel, to assemble together in in fellowship in church, uh, when God commands something clearly, what government is ordering to stop, the answer is simple and clear, but maybe hard. We must obey God rather than men, no matter the consequences. So take this example of assembling together as a church. Here's what Hebrews 10 says. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. 
for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Verse 25, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. You know, the the word for church, ecclesia, is actually assemble. It's not watching church online. There's an assembling together of believers. That's what church is about for the preaching of the word, for fellowship, for breaking of bread or communion, and prayer, the four fundamentals of the church. You can't do those things online. Now, if you're not able to go to church, if you're in a situation where you're ill or elderly or or there is, like Phil Johnson mentioned, if there's a terrible outbreak, it's, there's nothing wrong with missing churches for a few weeks and watching online. But this is not a, a viable alternative to church uh, for week after week, month after month going forward. And, and John MacArthur wrote in that that statement that the elders Uh, put out. It has never been the prerogative of civil government to order, modify, forbid, or mandate worship. When, how, and how often the church worships is not the subject, uh, is not subject to Caesar. Caesar himself is subject to God. Jesus affirmed that principle when he told Pilate, you would have no authority over me unless it had been given to you from above. Because Christ is head of the church, ecclesiastical matters pertain to his kingdom not Caesar's. And so we have this example in Acts 4 and then again in Acts 5 where the apostles were, were told uh, by the, the Sadducees, the religious leaders of all people, the, the authorities in their realm, we gave you strict authority orders not to continue teaching in his, his name, and yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and intend to bring this man, Jesus' blood, upon us. What was the response of Peter and the apostles? We must obey God rather than men. We will continue to preach the word. That is a command of God. So to be sure, it's not always so cut and dried. Street preachers deal with this all the time. Do they obey the laws that don't allow amplification, that that restrict passing out literature, that to preach from a designated, quote, safe space that is away, established away from all the people they're trying to reach? It certainly takes wise understanding of Scripture to know how to apply uh, the the balance between Romans 13 and we must obey God rather than men in Acts 4 and 5. It takes prayer, and it takes a conviction of conscience, by the way. Phil Johnson alluded to this a couple times a day. What might be wrong for one Christian may be right for another, like with going back to church. This isn't a universal mandate that every church must meet tomorrow and be back. There might be extenuating circumstances that the elders of these churches need to come to consensus upon. So we give grace to Christians coming down on different sides of an issue, like wearing a mask or or not wearing a mask. You know, we give grace to those who want to or those who don't want to. It it puts the the, the freedom, the the liberty back into the hands of the person. And I think that's a a very good thing. So Grace Church is, is not mandating that all return to church, but they are pursuing their calling to assemble together for those who want to return. And they're also offering outdoor spaces, and you can wear a mask if you want and so forth. But they are not bowing to the unreasonable and unbiblical commands by the state to not assemble, to not sing, to not gather inside for those who want to. Now, those have been changed a little bit since yesterday, but I think that's because John MacArthur and the elders have taken a stand. And, and, and they've, I think I believe strongly that they've done the right thing in this 
particular instance. So let's pray for them. Let's pray for other pastors and churches around the country uh, to be able to stand strong and stand with biblical conviction uh, in this area where there's been a squeeze, a big squeeze on Christians, all in the, all in the, the, the um, excuse of, well, we got to love our neighbor. When that's usually said, that usually means, Christians, you need to compromise in some, in, to some degree. So watch out for that particular rationale. That is true. We are to love our neighbor, but watch out that that's not being done at the expense of loving God. Thank you for listening to the Christian Worldview today. We do live in a changing and challenging America. Wow. But there is one thing we can always trust in and count on. The Bible says Jesus Christ and his word, they're the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we will obey God rather than men. We hope today's broadcast turned your heart toward God, his word, and his son. To order a CD copy of today's program or sign up for our free weekly email or to find out how you can be reconciled to God through Jesus Christ, go to our website, thechristianworldview.org or call us toll free at 1-888-646-2233. The Christian Worldview is a weekly one-hour radio program that is furnished by the Overcomer Foundation and is supported by listeners and sponsors. Request one of our current resources with your donation of any amount. Go to thechristianworldview.org or call us toll-free at 1-888-646-2233 or write to us at Box 401, Excelsior, Minnesota, 55331. That's Box 401, Excelsior, Minnesota, 55331. Thanks for listening to The Christian Worldview. Until next time, think biblically and live accordingly.